0: Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today for today's sermon is the epistle reading, that famous and beloved section from Paul's letter to the Romans in the eighth chapter, where he begins it with these words And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. And as you heard a moment ago, he concludes it all by saying, For I am convinced neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our text. Dear friends, in Christ. One has said of these stirring words that in the galaxy of scriptural passages, few constellations shine as brilliantly, conveying the determined love of our God as does this lustrous star. Indeed, the Lutheran theologian, Paul Cressman, has written of it this. He said, in all the letters of Paul, there are few passages that equal and none that exceed this triumphant peal of victorious faith In lofty and sustained power addressed to Christians as it is he says it should never fail of rousing them to the greatest pitch of faith's fervor and to the utmost confidence and trust in the mercy of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ those are stirring words soaring words of soaring words and for good reason For from the very beginning of this beloved segment of Scripture, Paul's words are words that move the world-worn Christian to a faithful and contented sigh, and to a confident resignation in the face of all things. But remember what he said, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God who've been called according to his purpose. All things work together for our good. And that's a remarkable statement. A remarkable statement because when we do consider all things, when all things are considered, let's face it, far more than conquerors, when we so often feel like the conquered, the conquered, conquered by all these things, conquered under these non-negotiable things so often, non-negotiable things and circumstances that seem so often to determine the direction and the course of our life. All those things that would seem to be the evidence of things not working together for our good, but rather the evidence, it would seem, of things in life coming apart, coming undone, untied, unraveled. I'm talking about things like the doctor's diagnosis that it's cancer and his prognosis that. You're going to have to cancel that trip you've planned. Or worse yet, you better take that trip you've planned if you're ever going to take it at all. I'm talking about things like the difficult illness of your son or your daughter and the challenges that it perhaps hands you and the limitations that it mandates for him or her. I'm talking about the things like many successful yesterdays, perhaps, when it comes to relationships or career and income unsuccessful yesterdays perhaps in the seemingly only dim horizons of tomorrow. I'm talking about tragic losses experienced in your life. Those things. I'm talking about even the consequences of our sin. Even those things. Times when we've intentionally ignored the expressed will of God or or the sins of others as they have and, and the things that it brings about. Those painful consequences in life that are now every single day a part of life all these things all these things they're all the things that would seem to work together for our end and our undoing but it will not be says your Lord I will not let it be no it's, it's like the man who found himself on the deserted island these these things are the things that work together literally in the greek that synergize for our good you see the story is told of an old an only survivor of a wreck who was thrown onto an uninhabited in a rather uninhabitable island well after a while he managed to build himself a hut in which he placed the little that he was able to salvage from from the wreck he prayed to the lord for deliverance And then anxiously, day after day and day upon day, he scanned the horizon to hail any passing ship that might happen by. Well, one day upon returning from an unsuccessful an unsuccessful hunt for food, to his dismay and horror he found his hut, his home, and all that he had in there in flames, going up in flames. The worst, it would seem, had happened. Do you know that which seemed to have happened for the worst really was happening for him for the best? Because you see, the very next day, a ship arrived. And after rescuing the man, the captain had a chance to sit down with this survivor. And he, he said to him, you know, we would have sailed right by you had it not been for that smoke signal that you so wisely sent up. That's exactly what Paul means when he uses the word synerge in the Greek, synergize. Working together, it's not just that things will sometimes happen together by a sort of, quote, happen chance, happen together for our better as opposed to our worse. But Paul says it with confidence. He says, we know, we know that they'll work together. We know that they're God-engineered with almighty and irrevocable intent to synergize by his hand for the good of you. You who by grace love God. Indeed, was it not the case for Joseph of old? Do you remember Joseph, the favorite son of of old Jacob? The cocktail of circumstances had come together in his life for an awfully bitter drink. Brotherly hatred among some of his brothers, mixed in with brotherly cowardice among others, cowardice to defend him. And Joseph found himself literally in the pits, sold a slave, jailed, and alone in faraway Egypt, many, many miles from the favored life. But you remember Joseph's predestiny. And all that God had in store for him. Are you less to God than Joseph? Joseph, who having been exalted to the right hand of Egyptian glory in due time, said of all of those things. Remember what he said to his brothers, of all of those things. He said, what was meant for harm and ill, God meant it for good. He synergized it all for good. As bad as they are, you have his word that all things will indeed work together for your good, the good of those he's called according to his purpose. It will be. And you can be confident in it for this reason, that it's not some passing thought of God. No, such was God's intention for you, even before you were. Now Paul says that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who've been called according to his purpose. And you say, well, we've been called in time and by means, and that's true. We've been called in time and through gospel means for most of us. It was that day that the saving grace of God first touched you in watery baptismal form. That day when he applied to your little head therein. All that he had from eternity prepared for you. For many of us, it was through baptism. For others who would come to faith later in life, it was you were called in time and by means through the word of God. The word of God and his gospel word acting upon you, acting in you to create faith, trusting faith in Jesus Christ, called in time, called through means, very true. But remember what Paul says. Remember what he says, that you were in the mind and in the heart of God even before time ever before He called you, whether through baptism, through His Word, before He applied through these things what He had from all eternity predestined for you. Remember what you heard in the epistle reading today, for those whom He predestined, these He also called. What a love of God. What love from God, love that will not be undone, By all things in time, but instead a love that will work all things together for your good in time and for eternity. Your temporal and eternal good. What a love of God. A love that from before the foundation of the world predestined you to be called in time, to be justified, and in due time be glorified. The love of God that would not allow itself to be separated from you, And that's saying a lot. That's saying an awful lot because you and I had by our sins separated ourselves from him. From his love. That's what Isaiah says. That's exactly and precisely what Isaiah says. He says your sins have separated you from your God. Now ponder that for a moment. Think of the consequences of it for a moment not just for a moment, for all of time in eternity think of it God not for you but against you all things not working together for your good but rather all things working as they should ponder it for a moment but then With faith's repentant sigh of confident resignation. Give thanks that that's not how it is. It's not how it is. Not for time. Not for eternity. Not even for a moment. Why? Because God justified you. How? With determined love for you and for all. Paul says it. God spared not his own son. Literally, he reserved no leniency for his own son, toward his own son, but he gave him up for us all, quite literally. He handed him over on behalf of us all. You see, God would not allow mankind, that means you and me, any of us, God would not allow mankind to remain separated from him, and so his love moved him to reconcile a separated world unto himself not counting our trespasses against us precisely because he counted them against his son Jesus Christ God would not let us remain conquered but gives us Paul says the victory justification through Jesus Christ as we're connected to Jesus Christ our Lord no sweeter words could be spoken from the mouth of God and heard by the ears of sinners. And these of Paul he spared not his own son. But he gave him up for me. You think about those words and they'll convince you those words. They'll convince you that he's not God against you. But as you heard today, he's God for you. God for you. Paul exhorts you, doesn't he? In the text he says, think about it. If he spared not his own son, but was willing to and indeed give him up for you, what would he now not do for you? What would he now not do for you if he was willing to do that for you? Old Lutheran theologian John Gerhard, not the, the hymnist that gave us our beautiful sermon hymn, Paul Gerhard, but the theologian John Gerhard, said it like this. Summarizing him, paraphrasing him, he said, If hell didn't keep Christ from you, but he embraced it into death for you, if death wouldn't separate him from you, now that Christ lives, what could possibly, possibly keep him from you? And if God is for you, who possibly can stand against you make no mistake about it they will try the devil will try and he will stand against you the world will stand against you our own sinful nature our own sinful nature yet still within us will be no friend in this regard and will stand against you they'll all stand against us they'll all try to convince us that God's love Even though undeterred from eternity. They'll try to convince us that God's love will somehow now fail you. And they'll stand and they'll accuse you. They'll accuse you of wrongs and they'll be right. They'll accuse you of your wrongs and they'll be right. And they would convince you that Christians are made by moral blood, sweat and tears. By the good that you do. And they'll remind you where you've been they'll remind you what you've been and how short you've come and almost imperceptibly they'll persist they'll persist until victory is in reach and then they'll barrage and when they do then you remind them who are you to lay a charge Against one of God's elect. It is God who justifies, and He's justified me. Who are you to condemn? Friends, live confidently in that victory. That's yours in Christ. They will try, and by tribulation, they'll too stand against you, looking to separate you from Christ or to convince you that you can become separated from Him. By tribulation, you know the Greek there is thlipsis. I think some weeks ago in the sermon, we, the, the word came to us, philipsis, philipsis. It, it's an intense pressing, pressure, tribulation, and by distress, there the Greek word means a, a narrowness of room, so that with stresses closing in on us on all sides perhaps, one, one would panic in fears, faithless claustrophobia. They'll, they'll try by, by tribulation and distress or by persecution or famine of food or nakedness of, of clothing. Or finally by danger of the blade of a sword or the muzzle of a gun. They will try to convince you that you can be Christ's love from you can be conquered. They tried to convince Paul. Remember, Paul was there in every one of those circumstances, in all of those places, places perhaps that you've been. There certainly one day will be. He knew it, and you know it too, what it is to be under the heel of all of these things. You know tribulation, you know distress, you know famine of food or friends or family, maybe famine of fairness. You know the danger of confessing Christ's love and the separation that indeed it may cost. You know, for you've seen it firsthand, You you know what it looks like. You know what it looks like when cancer wins, when infection conquers, when death separates you and loved ones. Through all of these things they will try to convince you that you're conquered by reminding you what cancer can do and tribulation can do. And peril can do, and sword can do, but friends, never, ever forget, never forget what cancer can't do, and tribulation can't do, and trial can't do, and sword can't do. In all of these things, we are not conquered, Paul says, but are more than conquerors through him, through him who said, I have overcome the world. Never forget what these things can never ever do to you. For nothing, nothing is able to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, neither death nor life. Why? For Christ, your head, is master of them both, life and death. Neither death nor life nor angels, principalities or powers. Why? Because Christ, the greater Joseph, who ascended to the right hand of power above all principalities and powers, The greater Joseph is your brother. Neither shall things present nor things to come for Christ. Is he not the first and the last, the same yesterday, today, forever? Nor shall height separate you, nor depth separate you. For does not Christ Jesus fill all things, nor shall anything else. Paul says in all of creation, and mind you, that includes everything but God himself, nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus your Lord, for no one, he says, will snatch you out of my hand. These words of our Lord, they do shine with brilliance, don't they? no wonder that they are shared so often and have been shared so often at funerals, funerals of your loved ones, at hospital bedsides in life's darkest and deepest hours. They're words that have carried countless Christians just like you through countless trials and over many stormy seas. It's the breath of the Holy Spirit filling the sails of souls until they reach their haven at last God fill us so by these words that we may to unto our final breath breathe life's faith's confidence sigh, resting in the enduring love of God That's in Jesus Christ your Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen.